Dr. Marvin's on vacation in New Hampshire. New Hampshire? Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am SportsLogos.net minor league baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, broadcasting live, as always, from the Sunday Helmet Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. Today, we're going to be talking about the AA New Hampshire Fisher Cats, an affiliate of the Toronto Blue Jays who play in Manchester, New Hampshire. Later on in this episode, I'll be speaking with designer Dan Simon of Studio Simon, who created the original logo for the Fisher Cats, but also who created the logo for the New Hampshire Primaries. And there's an animal involved, so you know that Baseball by Design wildlife correspondent Ranger Amy Burnett will be here. Right now, I am so pleased to be joined for the first time on this podcast by Michael Nice, who is the general manager of the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Michael, how are you doing? I'm doing well today, Paul. How are you? I'm doing really well. This is a really fun brand, has a lot of history to it. A great story too, right? Because, you know, just Fisher Cats in general are are interesting animals. Yes. I will I'm going to I'm going to jump right in with two feet here and just ask you the question, why is the team in Manchester, New Hampshire, called the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. It's a great question, Paul, and it's, it's a fun one too that we do get a lot. Um, what you know, of course, the Fisher itself, the animal is called a Fisher. Um, the Fisher is is native to the New England region and the Northeast in general, and I think there's a lot of ties to the animal itself and and what we represent as a brand and and hopefully how we identify as an organization. Uh, the Fisher is it's rugged, it's outdoors, it's in the woods, which we have a lot of here in New Hampshire. Um, and it's also a great combination of ferocious and playful. And that's and that's what we really lean on a lot when we talk about our brand. And so when you combine those elements, uh, we think that the Fisher and, and ultimately our name, the Fisher Cat, really does represent who we are and what we stand for. It's a, I mean, it's an interesting animal, right? And I, I wrote about this team back in uh, 2015 for sportslogos.net. And noted that the Fisher cat A does not eat fish and B does is not a cat. Uh, that is correct. It's <laughs> Rhode Island is neither a road nor an island, right? It's, it's a reference <laughs> SNL, but uh, no, it's it's a fun. Uh, there's a fun anecdote there that you know it's not a cat, more like a weasel actually in the in the actual animal kingdom. Um, but you know we we get the fish we get the fish thing all the time. Are you a fish or a cat? Somewhere in between, and no, we we're a Fisher cat. <laughs> The team has sort of a, a a storied well it has a it has a, an interesting history with its with its logo uh, because it's you know the original the original was created by Dan Simon who's a regular mm-hmm. guest on yes. on the the podcast and then there's been uh, the current is was created by Rickaball Graphics um, so yes there you know there's been a handful of sort of different colors different updates the the current version's been around for a little while the team uh, the the nickname has been around since 2004 so almost two decades which in minor league terms as i've said on this podcast yeah. before is something of of an eternity is uh, given that you are relatively new to the team as the general manager uh, is that something that the team talks about is there uh uh, is this brand firmly entrenched or does the possibility exist that, uh, you know, there are other things that might tie to the area that you could rebrand as? Yeah, absolutely, Paul. And it's a great question too. And, and one we definitely ask ourselves. Um, I, I do think right now that we have, and as we approach our 20th anniversary season here, which we're extremely proud of here in 2024, uh, we do think that the Fisher Cat brand itself here in Manchester and, and New Hampshire and really the, the region itself 
Um, we, we feel very proud of it. Um, we feel very honored to, to continue that brand. Um, now, it doesn't mean that we can't have fun with some alternate identities. Um, we certainly do that as much as, as much as other teams do. We've had a very successful Manchester Chicken Tenders rebrand. We're going to talk about the Chicken Tenders. So I'm going to ask you about that. <laughs> good. I, I won't jump the gun on that. But <laughs> we have a couple other fun ones that, uh, that we're introducing as well. But when it comes to the Fisher Cats, you know, we we do as a as a primary identity, we do feel very strongly about what that's meant to the community for the last 20 years. And for people that say, hey, I was here since 2004 and we played our first first year in historic Gill Stadium. And next year, then the following year will be 20 years here at Delta Dental Stadium in Manchester. The original brand, like I said, was created by Dan Simon. That one was used from 2004 to 2007 featured a decidedly nasty looking animal, right? Like this yes. was a fierce, fierce looking fisher cat who, you know, you, you wouldn't want to mess with you. And, and he's carrying what even looks like an aluminum bat here. Right. Yeah. So, um, so that was from, you know, 04 to 07. And then essentially the two looks since then, there was a green and yellow version mm-hmm. created by Rickaball graphics of a fisher cat sort of peering over uh, the, the script for fisher cats. And then the colors changed when affiliations changed both of those looks have had sort of a a, a fiercer look about them, yeah. right? Like not necessarily kid friendly, right? Like like and and I think you're seeing obviously a lot of that in the minor yeah. league baseball landscape now. The more sort of kid friendly, cartoony logos is is that part of the conversation when you talk about okay, you know, what might this brand be someday? The the very fierce version in 04 and then the less fierce but still not cartoony version that's that's been around since 2008 neither one of those is real cartoony. Yes, correct. Yeah. And, and that's a great conversation piece as well. And one that we, that we have had and something that you know, we could see in the future. Um, you know, we do want, I, I mentioned both of those elements and I think that's, that's the line that we're always looking to, to straddle, right? It's the ferocity of the animal when we talk about the logos and yes, yeah, so you can look it up online. A, a fisher is, you know, is an aggressive, ferocious animal that uh, that is a hunter and you know goes out and gets it done as, as it were um, but it also being having sort of that you know ferret weasel energy does have a lot of playfulness and fun so you can do a lot with that when it comes to the family friendliness and the kid friendliness and and what the logo does so um, you know we do use some some alternate Fungo is our mascot, our primary mascot as a, as a fisher cat. And we do use for our, things like our kids club, we do use a different, you know, different version of fungo that's a little more of that cartoon look, a little bit more of that family friendly environment. And, you know, we do when we actually have our physical mascot walking around too, he has a decidedly, you know, decidedly family friendly look to him as well. Part of this team's lore Every once in a while, and I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. Every once in a while, you see a logo get introduced, or at least a, at least an identity that gets introduced that that elicits such a response that the team actually backtracks on it. And uh, you know, again, this is this precedes your your time with the team by uh, you know almost two decades. Yes, exactly. but I'm sure you're familiar with the story of the New Hampshire primaries, of course, which was a logo that was unveiled. I think. Probably in 49 states, they thought it was great, right? Like, yeah. I think this, a lot of people looked at this and thought, you know, this, this logo, the New Hampshire primaries touches on the fact that obviously New Hampshire is the first state to have its primaries mm-hmm. during the election cycle. 49 states thought, you know, probably looked at this logo, which is objectively a great logo. Like, it's a really fun logo. 
you know, looked at that and said, oh, that's what a fun thing to do. And then one state, New Hampshire, is so sick of being associated with the the primaries that they they revolted against it and the team backtracked and became the Fisher Cats instead. But then that primaries brand, uh, yeah. or at least a version of it, has then been reprised by the team and is is out there now. What is, you know, as someone who's who's not been with the team for a terribly long time, what is your understanding of of like the arc of that story and where that brand sits now? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a it's a great question. It is it is a fun thing to talk about, right? And and a lot of teams do the what could have been mm-hmm. nights, and we've we've certainly done that with a couple of other of the finalists as well. The uh, the Granite State Mountain Men is one we've done in previous years. That was one of the finalists when they revoted, and we've brought that back to life as well. Um, but no, the primaries. I mean, you know, you say the word New Hampshire, and and you talk nationally about the things that New Hampshire identifies with, and and certainly the first in the nation primary is, and the, and the political scene as a result of that is, you know, something that if you just did word association, a lot of people would connect with New Hampshire. And, and I would actually say too, that, that, that people in New Hampshire, New Hampshireites are very proud of, of that fact. And we take it very seriously. Um, It's, it's not only a badge of honor, but it's a, it's a great responsibility that, really sets these national election um, into motion. And, and obviously, New Hampshireites take a lot of pride in, in being that early voice in the process. So um, I look at it as a lot of fun, um, not only as a what could have been, I obviously can't speak necessarily to some of the reactions that were taking place back when it was first introduced. Um, but I will say that I do know that, you know, as we've done in past years, usually around a presidential cycle when we've when we've reinvigorated that brand and brought it back out on the field and had the merchandise in the store it's been embraced um, and it's been a lot of fun i think one of the fun parts about it is it does have that you know it's got the donkey and the elephant which of course you know can be divisive when you talk about people's <laughs> politics and and where they fall on on either side of the fence but i think that also plays into a little bit, bit of that minor league fun as well where yeah. You know, we do have, and we've gotten our team store. You could walk in today, and you can purchase the, you can purchase the blue or the red cap, right? And uh, <laughs> and the logo kind of meshes them together. And I will say, as a little little teaser, that uh, that is something. It's a presidential year coming up in twenty four. I'm sure that's not breaking news to anybody here <laughs> on the podcast, but uh, we do plan on on having the the primaries brand out there on the field in twenty twenty four and. Every four years, when that when that cycle comes around, uh, I hope people can set their clock and uh, and and once again re-embrace that primaries look. I look forward to checking out the team store uh, when I'm there. Uh, we have plans already. Uh, Ranger Amy Burnett, who is Baseball by Design's wildlife correspondent, who will be later on in this episode talking about Fisher Cats. She is from New Hampshire, and we are going to go to a uh, a Fisher Cats game. Love it, and uh, that'll be in September of the 2024 season. I look forward to raiding the team store when we're there. Uh, Please do. We want the feedback. We love it. And hopefully walking out with a couple items too. That'd be great. Oh, I, I never make it out of the team store without at least a few things. It's, Good. Uh, Good. it's well, you see this hat wall behind me, right? So Yes, we need a Fisher Cats one up there, whatever your favorite cap is. That's for sure. Um, one of the items that I'm sure will be intriguing to me is one of the alternate brands that you have put together. You mentioned the the mountain men that's a that's a fun one we can talk about that as well but the one i really want to focus on is the the manchester chicken tenders yes uh, which was a brand that was unveiled along with 
this this claim and i had no idea that this is even yeah. a thing that could have been invented but that that the chicken tender was invented in manchester new hampshire so i i love this story uh, this is a really fun alternate brand one of the the really fun sort of uh uh food frenzy minor league baseball brands but oh, yeah wh- where does this claim come from that manchester is responsible for chicken tenders yes yeah and it's a, it, that is a lot of fun to talk about as well and and any good brand i think that elicits questions or follow-ups i think that's a that's a big part of of measuring its success right um not that not that we want it to be so vague that it doesn't ring some bells but those follow-up questions are fantastic but no we we here in manchester do uh, do claim the, the origin of the chicken tender, uh, one of our one of our great local restaurants, really a staple of the community, the Puritan Backroom Restaurant, is is by all accounts the inventor of the chicken tender. So the original chicken tender, and as a result, it's something that locals take a ton of pride in. Chicken tenders there are incredible, by the way. So <laughs> you make that trip, I may have to, you know. They are a proud partner here, so I might have to make that suggestion that you make that stop off and try the original tender. I think that's um, a definite. I think that has, that has to be a definite for sure. Yeah, well, maybe while wearing a chicken tender hat too. So if we can combine those two, we've got we've got some <laughs> synchronicity. But um, no, so that it's something that not a lot of people, maybe outside the area, are aware of. Um, maybe you don't think of, hey, where did this originate? But um, it is it is the first documented place of origin for the chicken tender so in addition to having a fantastic product um, it is the original and we've now we've had the last the last two years we've been able to unveil this extremely popular brand and where we do we do rebrand as the manchester chicken tenders um you know paying homage to of course the fact that we do play here in manchester so for that night we we embrace the city name we we always embrace manchester as, as our home but of course play as the new hampshire fisher cats so when we are the Manchester Chicken Tenders, we've we've got a great a great logo. Um, we've got a, some really fun uniforms that go along with it, and then we really try to make sure that the ballpark itself is uh, is extremely uh, chicken tender centric. So we have for both nights served the original Puritan Backroom Restaurants uh, chicken tenders, which they've been very gracious to to donate and have in park for those nights. This last year in twenty in twenty twenty three. We actually had the mayor's office uh, deliver a proclamation <laughs> declaring Manchester as the chicken tender capital of the world. Wow! So if you if you can if you can have an, a, an official world proclamation um, yeah. prior to first pitch, for me that's a good start to a, to a minor <laughs> league baseball game. So you got great chicken tenders, you got awesome unis on the field. People love the merchandise. Um, it's it's some of our some of our best selling product that we have you know year in and year out since we've introduced it, um, and we're and we're planning on having even more fun with it. We haven't announced it yet, but we we do plan on this this upcoming year. So let's call it, you know having a little bit more fun, maybe turning up the heat. Uh, it's a little little teaser on the mm-hmm. uh, on the chicken tender brand for this year. So stay tuned wow. and fishercats.com for some more info on on what we're going to look like on the field with that tenders jersey in 24. Right. Well, we'll cover it on sportslogos.net when that yeah. happens. We talked about with the primaries brand fans sort of voting with their merchandise choices. I'm curious to know because there were three different versions of this chicken tenders brand. You had the classic, the buffalo, and the coconut, I know which one I would choose. Is there is there one that was the the prevailing favorite? Was there a was there a fan favorite of those three? 
Well, I will say last year we did we did have a fan vote and okay. the original and, and maybe that's that's maybe that speaks to the origin, but the original did win last year. So um, we do we do plan on having two nights this upcoming year, which is exciting. It's, that might be a little late breaking news as mm. well, you know, breaking news all over the place. But um, <laughs> but we do plan on, you know, so that gives us the opportunity to to play for the first time is uh, with one of those other sets as well, which I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I think that I would be eating the buffalo chicken okay. while while wearing the coconut hat. Okay, so interesting. The coconut, the coconut brand is a fun one there. So it is. It's it's got the it's got the island coconut vibe. So um, you know, <laughs> exactly. it is a fun brand, no doubt. So the the other uh, brand that we've mentioned a couple of times here is this Mountain Men uh, brand, which is a uh, named for a sort of famous geological yeah. feature in Manchester, the Old Man of the Mountain. Uh, is that brand still around? Is that one that you guys are wearing, or is that uh, does that come and go? Yeah, that's one that we did wear this last year. Um, we we don't have it on the on the docket for this upcoming season, but okay. it is something that you know falls under that category of of what could have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly was a you know the Granite State Mountain Men. We are the Granite State as well, which you know I think is another key identifier when you talk about the state of New Hampshire. You know we've got you know some great some great rock faces, and of course the old man in the mountain being the the most recognizable maybe historically, right? So I think any logo that or identity that ties you know, is very local, but also is something that people nationally can say, hey, that's, you know, not only is that cool, but I maybe I learned a little bit something about the area or the state. I, I love when it causes me to think a little further, but also then find out something unique about the state. And I think a couple of the things that we've mentioned, whether it be chicken tenders, mountain men, primaries, these are all things that, you yeah. know, if you didn't know that about New Hampshire, well, guess what? You know, hopefully if people found out a little bit more and, and did a little <laughs> research on their own. We've we've stumbled on the entire premise of this podcast, right? Yes. Like, because you can learn the history of America by, you know, understanding why minor league baseball teams are called what they're called. It's a great point. Absolutely. It's, uh, yeah. It's, and I, I laugh because I find myself in conversations all the time with, you know, people who are not involved in minor league baseball. And, you know, they'll tell me they're from some small town in the middle of, you know, some state that, that you know, I don't go to that often. And I can say something about their town usually because there's a team nearby that has a name that has a story. And it's like, Hey, baseball did that. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. I, you know, I try the best when I, when I'm traveling too to wear some sort of Fisher cats branded gear and yeah. you would be amazed whether it's East coast, West coast, you know, s- Southeast, Southwest, wherever you are, there's going to be that one or one or two people that will point it out and say, Hey, you know, I used to, yep. either, I used to live in New Hampshire or I had, I had a friend who was part of the blue Jays system. I am that guy. I will go out of my way to, to say hello to someone who's wearing my yes. baseball stuff just out there in the world. And I'm people absolutely do because it's guy. community. It's a community absolutely. aspect to it. Absolutely. All right, Michael, before I let you go, I am, I am obligated to ask you the question. I know that you've got stuff coming up in 2024. Is there anything you're allowed to tell us that you have coming up or we got to, we got to wait for the big unveil. Yeah, we, we are unveiling in this next month here. So, uh, you know, stay tuned. NHFisherCats.com is the, is the primary source, uh, no pun intended primary source for, uh, <laughs> for all of your latest New Hampshire news, or of course, follow us on social. Um, I will say, you know, the, the one thing that, that people probably do anticipate um, a couple things that, that I feel comfortable saying is it is our 20th anniversary season. So we do plan on, on celebrating that 20 year history and including multiple Eastern league championships and 
a lot of the a lot of the great teams and and identities that have come through here in those 20 years um, as well as knowing that it's a presidential year that that primaries logo so we're really excited about that um, we do have multiple multiple I, I could go on and on about all all the different fun things that we're doing throughout the course of 2024 but those are a couple that i'm a probably allowed to say and b that i'm personally very excited about awesome well i will look forward to covering those uh brand announcements on sportslogos.net We'll look forward to getting back to Manchester for a baseball game. We we love it, and uh, we can't wait to have you back out here, Paul. And anytime, please let us know. We'd love to host you. Awesome. Well, Ranger Amy and I will see you in September. Michael, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast, and uh, we will look forward to I'll look forward to meeting you in person in September. Thanks again, Paul. Absolute pleasure. Artivon, welcome back. As you know, on this podcast, I love to speak with the designers responsible for the incredible logos that we get to talk about every single week. This week, I'm so pleased to welcome a designer you may have heard of, one Dan Simon of Studio Simon, who, while Dan created the original mark for the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, that is not what Dan is here to talk about. We are here to talk about an alternate universe in which the New Hampshire Fisher Cats were not the Fisher Cats at all. But in fact, the original team that was unveiled when the team moved from New Haven, they were the New Haven Ravens, and then became the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. But between those two brands, there was the New Hampshire Primaries, which was a name that was created and unveiled as the name of the team. And after a uh, fan backlash, an ill-advised fan backlash, because it was a great brand, they uh, changed course and went with the Fisher Cats. Like I said, Dan created the original Fisher Cats logo, but Dan is here to talk about the New Hampshire primaries. Dan, after that long introduction, how are you doing? Um, as as always, Paul, why don't you tell me how I'm doing? You are doing fantastic, which is how you're <laughs> always doing, which I always love to hear. And busy. I understand that you are busy these days, and that's uh, also a good thing, which you know you can take or leave. Being busy when you have when you run your own business is a good thing mm -hmm. so uh the fact that i have worked at this point five weekends in a mm -hmm. row uh I, I it's not it hasn't been a problem because i'm working on some great projects that's one of the cool things about doing sports brand and brand identity development is it's fun not just for me and my job, but it's fun for, for the people I'm doing it for. We are talking about a brand this week that uh, happened 20 years ago. This New Hampshire Fisher Cats team has been around since 2004, which means back then, with the timetables back then, it would have been the fall of 2003 that you were wrapping up these identities for this team. And uh, as I mentioned in my sort of long preamble, this uh, team was first announced as the New Hampshire Primaries. And so it's a great idea for a, a, a state, a team that plays in a state where they do, in fact, have the first contests in the election cycle. So I, I'm curious to know, I just want to sort of hand the reins over to you, if you would, what, you know, as a designer who created a successful, fun brand that, you know, in the in retrospect, and in fact, not only just in retrospect, but in 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 the actual practical reality, the team brought back because they realized, oh, this is a fun thing. And and in the new landscape of minor league baseball, 
I think that logo was just before its time, right? Like it was 2003 and and the world wasn't ready for for that kind of identity. But but now I don't think anyone would bat an eye at it. And in fact, the team is using that primaries or at least a version of that primaries brand uh, that you created. So what was that like for you as a designer to create a brand that, you know, was objectively a good brand and would have, I think, ultimately been embraced and well-received to have it sort of scrapped and, and tossed aside for at least the short term? Well, your point about the world not being ready for it, uh, as you just mentioned, it was 20 years ago, almost to the day that that I was working on it. Well, I didn't work on it just for a day, but in looking <laughs> at the dates on some of my files for that, you know, it was October and November. Well, we're in December now, October and November of, of 2003. Um, I probably started in September. I don't, I don't remember exactly when it started, but it was right around this time 20 years ago. And it's amazing when you think about the the outcry when that identity was developed. It, it was, oh my goodness, how can you name a team the primaries? I I even remember, you, you know, you mentioned it, it was it was a fan um, outcry, but I I don't know. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with that, but I'm not sure if it was the fans so much or the media. And when I say the media, media back then was so different than it is today. So we're even just talking about whatever the uh, the newspaper, the main newspaper was in Manchester, New Hampshire, the Manchester Dispatch. I don't even remember what it's called, although it very well could have been. And if you can get one of your production crew to look that up while we're talking about it. Um, We've got a team of producers back here working on it already. I'm gonna. I'm putting my money down on the Manchester Dispatch, although <laughs> I don't know if I'm just making that up or if I remember that. But I really think it was a media-led outcry. Hmm. Uh, and what's amazing about it is when you compare it to the world today and the minor league branding landscape today, hmm. where you've got Rumble Ponies and trash pandas and you had baby cakes and blue wahoos etc 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 the name new hampshire primaries is benign in comparison it, it's it, it nobody would bat an eye at that i think you might have even used that expression mm-hmm. when, when in your preamble to your this question uh they wouldn't bat an eye about it today it 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 it'd be met with oh that's cute you know as opposed right. to what in the world are you doing the, and the the main objection it seemed to the name primaries was not even it seemed I know this it was it was written that it sports teams are named after animals and the like <laughs> not after an a, a thing an event. So that's it's amazing when you think about what the objection was and thinking about it today, it's like, really? They weren't that crazy about it? Um, but one of the things that happened was it was a matter of the a vocal minority being much louder than the silent majority. Because mm-hmm. I can tell you that this identity was unveiled and shortly thereafter, well, it was unveiled and immediately re- repealed. <laughs> um, 
But shortly thereafter, I went, I was at the baseball winter meetings and I can't tell you how many individuals came up to me in the, at the baseball winter meetings and said, what a shame it was that they didn't go with primaries because they thought it was the greatest thing. But yeah. people are, I don't know if this is still the case because frankly, with social media, people are happy to get on social media and, and um, yell at the moon um, yell at the clouds or whatever the expression is. Uh, but back then, if somebody liked something, they were less likely to be vocal about it mm -hmm. as, as they were from as they were to be vocal about something they disliked. I wonder if, too, at the time, teams just didn't have the the stomach for the outcry, right? Like they didn't have the stomach for the what has become almost expected now with most rebrands most rebrands i think are met with an an initial wave of negativity and then embraced right like and we've talked about the j curve on this uh on this podcast many times where there's there's a sort of immediate negativity followed by acceptance and breaking of sales records and that sort of thing by the way my team of producers is back with their the results of their their crack research here i'm being told that an online petition was created by two local baseball fans uh, asking team ownership to reconsider. And that online petition was covered by the New Hampshire Union Leader. Ah. Front page article on the New Hampshire Union Leader. Rest in peace, Manchester Dispatch. <laughs> <laughs> so as I mentioned, you know, the, uh, the team, I think, realized the error of its ways. I, you know, personally think that the, the name Fisher Cats is, I mean, it's not, it's not a bad name. And we'll talk to Ranger Amy about uh, the, the relative merits of Fisher Cats as a, as a baseball mascot, but it certainly doesn't stand out in today's minor league baseball landscape, right? Like it's been around for 20 years and it's a, it's an animal from the region, right? Like, and that is something that I think is uh, pretty nondescript when it comes to, you know, especially minor league baseball today. I'm I'm interested in the fact that they, you know, they brought back this primaries brand as an alternate in, in recent years. I'm wondering the the marks that they're using now uh, as these alternates, were they ones that you had created as the original primaries brand, which features an elephant and a donkey with bats on their shoulders, wearing patriotic hats, obviously elephants and donkeys being symbols for the two major political parties in the United States. And then when they reprised the brand originally, it was uh, with Uncle Sam calling his shot uh, with the state of New Hampshire outlined behind him. But the marks that they're that they're using now, are these ones that were part of that original suite that you created or are they uh, new ones that they've come up with? Nope, that's that's the stuff I did 20 years ago. And it's kind of cool that to see that here we are two decades later and that artwork is still um, as effective as as it was back then. Um, you know, when whenever you do any type of any brand identity, whether that's for a sports team, whether that's for um, a, a fast food chain or, or any other type of company, um, you want it to have, ideally, you want it to have longevity. Not everything that I did 20 years ago, I am that proud of. But I look at that work uh, for the primaries and I, it still stands up today. I will say that the 
the word mark part of it, the primaries lettering, mm -hmm. a little busier with kind of outlines and shadows or whatever I put on that than something I would do today. That That's the one thing I would change. But other than that, um, I, I feel the character is still the, the the donkey, the elephant, and the Uncle Sam character still hold up to this day, 20 years later. I wonder if some of the reaction was a function of the timing of the announcement. It was unveiled in, in October of, of 2003, which was, you know, right smack dab before Bush Kerry, right? Like, which at the time was considered a pretty contentious election. Obviously, we <laughs> have seen more contentious elections since then, but I wonder if election burnout maybe caused sort of a stronger reaction in that small minority that reacted negatively to it, more so than if it had happened on a on a non-election year. So I don't know. It's just uh, just sort of throwing that out there. But well, no, no, that's certainly a a good point, and a, a certainly that we we won't know unless we get into our time machine and go back and um, and revisit that. But that's altogether possible. But I also wonder if let's say they unveiled it on a non-election year, maybe it wouldn't have been that big of a thing. People wouldn't have been that interested in it because it's like the New Hampshire primary was not top of mind. And it's right. like, why would you name it that? It's not even, it's only a thing that happens every four years, you know, and it's not happening now. So, right. but, but then again, maybe that would have let it fly under the radar and not that, that, public outcry that that happened might not have happened um let's go back in time paul and let's and let's let's unveil this in a, a non-election year mm -hmm. and see if maybe we can get it to stick well i don't know if i've mentioned on this podcast before but my favorite genre of uh popular culture movies tv shows books etc is time travel i love time travel stuff so i would be happy to go back in time and uh and and try this again and and see if it's or uh, you know maybe we just uh kneecap those two ding-dongs who started the online petition and uh and, you know just take them out of the picture and you know then we don't have to worry about that anymore i'm curious as i said this is a, a segment about the new hampshire primaries identity that you created but once it became clear that the team was moving in a different direction and that they were going to go with a different name you're up against the clock, right? I mean, that's that's something that you was was Fisher Cats a name that had been considered and that you had done some work on, or did you just have to to scramble and come up with something quickly? Scramble and come up with something quickly. No, okay. it was not not even mentioned. The name was going to be primaries. There were no other ones that were being considered. If there were, that would have been on the part of the team, and that was not shared with me back then. I can tell you I was not, I actually had named one team at that point, but working with teams to come up with new names, which is something I regularly do now, um, was not something I was doing back then. Back then, with one exception, um, teams came to me with a name and that's what I worked on and the name was Primaries. And so when they, I, First heard about Fisher Cats when the team pulled the plug on primaries, and that was uh, one of the names in the name the team finalists list. I'd never even heard of a Fisher Cat before, as was the case with most of America. People 
were not familiar with them, I guess, until somebody decided to name a baseball team after them. Well, we're about to become more familiar with them because the next segment will have Ranger Amy Burnett, Baseball by Design's wildlife correspondent, coming on to tell us all about the uh, Fisher Cat itself. And then after that, of course, Dan, you will be back with a Studio Simon Stumper. So I really appreciate you coming on and talking about this Primaries brand. What fun uh, to revisit that 20 years later. And we'll talk to you again in uh, just a few. Welcome back to the podcast, one Ranger Amy Burnett, Baseball by Design's official wildlife correspondent. Ranger Amy, hello. Hello. We are going to be talking about an animal that is representative of your native yes. state of New Hampshire, the Fisher Cat. Yeah. We've discussed already on this episode that it is neither a cat nor does it eat fish. So what are we talking about here? What's a Fisher Cat? Well, it could, but it probably is not going. I mean, it's not as main food. Oh, okay. But it is yeah. not a Fisher. No, it is not a Fisher. Okay. Yeah, they actually, the reason that they, they think that the name Fisher Cat came from that French word that I told you that I had to have you pronounce for me. Fish. 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 Uh, because it looked like a European polecat when they thought it was related. It probably is a little bit. So European polecat sounds like a great insult. <laughs> It sounds like a good time. <laughs> <laughs> the Fisher cat is actually related to, is in the weasel family and related to an otter. It's huh. the second largest in that family. So, um, but if you look at it, it doesn't look that much bigger than a squirrel, but these, these cats or fishers as they should be called are actually ferocious. So you would call oh, it a fisher fisher. I would just call it a fisher. You would call it a fisher. Yeah. We would don't really call it a fisher cat because it's not a cat. So they're little but ferocious they're little but ferocious like yeah Napoleon. oh yeah yeah they might have like a little inferiority complex <laughs> um they eat pretty much anything that you can imagine they're okay. they're omnivores mm -hmm. and they eat everything from nuts and berries and things like that to meat which is their favorite so they can eat rodents they can eat rabbits they can eat squirrels and uh, everything up to porcupines that's that's kind of what they're famous for eating porcupines they're famous for eating porcupines yeah they're famous for eating porcupines oh. they're way smaller than a porcupine yeah and like think about how many quills a porcupine has like how can you eat a porcupine right very very carefully very carefully yeah <laughs> I missed my missed my chance there you should have gotten that one do they do they hunt the meat that they eat or do they scavenge it they do eat carrion so carrion okay. is dead things yeah but they do prefer to it's also the suitcase hunt. that you bring on a plane oh Paul, Paul, Paul. come on that was pretty good <laughs> that was pretty good i have to say um but, so th but they prefer to uh to hunt okay meat. so they're pretty ferocious and they uh they're pretty agile climbers they have really cool feet, so they can rotate their ankles 180 degrees in the same way that squirrels can. They'll force a porcupine to like go up to a tree and then sort of stick its quills out. So it's like, hey, you can't get me. And then the fisher will run up the tree and go down the tree with these ankles that are like twisting and like bite the porcupine in the face because that's like the unprotected part. Right in the face. Right in the face. Wow. This is for the listener at home. I wish you could see the contortions that Ranger Amy is going through <laughs> trying to explain exactly how the, the mechanics of this work. Well, and that's not even the best part. So remember, the, um, it kind of reminds me of the whole um, Wiley Coyote and uh, Roadrunner. Mm -hmm. You know, how Wiley Coyote was always trying to like mix up the crazy, you know, do all these crazy things. Yeah, to get with the, the Acme Dynamite. But the, um, this little 
tiny fisher is actually really good at doing things that sound really silly and getting the porcupine in the end or underbelly as it were yeah or in the in the face in the face right so what they do one of the ways they catch porcupines is that or kill porcupines is they'll run it in circles and tire it out oh huh. can you imagine so all right so i'm trying to think of the the baseball applications for this first of all they're good climbers yeah they're out in the outfield climbing the wall taking a home run away yeah and the, those ankles if you've got 180 degree rotating ankles, it's going to make you a pretty agile baseball player. Nimble, right? You can change Very direction. Nimble. Yeah. Um, so you know, maybe like a middle infielder. That's the same sound effect all of your animals make, though. <laughs> That's that is just the official Ranger Amy sound effect. When they, um, it's also Star Wars sound effect. Too. If they're running circles around you, though, maybe maybe they're good at stealing bases. If they're running circles yeah, around they the base paths. Yeah, they so can like hire that. out their uh, adversaries. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, it's like people, it's like catchers getting tired of trying to catch Ronald Acuna. Fisher cats are the Ronald Acuna of... Is he short? Because fishers are short. I don't know that Ronald Acuna is short, but he's very fast. He way led the league in stolen bases this year. Um, so the fishers actually just sort of go run circles around the porcupines, tie them out, and then they bite their faces like... Arr, arr. Yeah. And they are they don't do it until they're pretty much dead, but then yeah. they flip them over and then they get them in the underbelly because there's no quills there. This is gruesome. I know. This description reminds me a little bit of uh, Tasmanian devils. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's probably, it's like the Tasmanian devil of the Northeast. Yeah. It's kind okay. Of cool. um, so they're, you can find them in the Northeast. You can also find them on the West Coast as well, but they're right. more prevalent on the East Coast. There aren't as many big predators hunting yeah. them on the East. So you can find them if you live in New England, of course, New Hampshire, uh -huh. where I'm from. Yeah. Um, but you can also find them in New York, um, Southern Canada, uh, and then fairly rare in Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and even Virginia. But, and, but they're not easy to find. They're very elusive. They're yeah. very, um, they're just very sneaky. Maybe that's another baseball uh, advantage. Sneaky. They're sneaky. I mean, good at the hidden ball trick. Is that, is that Careful. a G, <laughs> G rating? Careful. G rating? Okay. <laughs> so these little predators that people hardly ever see, they're ferocious. Um, they're kind of like people really had no idea what good they were for the ecosystem until they started decimating them yeah. because they're um, they have beautiful silky pelts. And even though they're not that big, people would back in the you know early 1900s, they could get $100 per, for pelt. Hmm. That's kind of a lot. That's a lot back then. It's a lot. Yeah. And so they would they would hunt. So they trapped them. They hunted them. And then uh, then they realized that. Um, the porcupine population was going up. What does that matter? Well, if you're a logger, that matters a lot. And so the loggers lobby. If you're an IPA. <laughs> oh. So the loggers actually lobbied to reintroduce fishers into a lot of these areas that you can now find them in today. Because basically what was happening is what happens if you have too many porcupines? Too many quills. The, yeah that and they eat all the baby saplings they basically gnaw on the trees and kill all the baby saplings and so they were planting these trees and they're like why are there all these trees dying because all the porcupines are eating them and without yeah. trees no baseball bats no baseball bats see so fishers are really important to baseball yeah you need them to to curb the porcupine population so you can have more trees porcupine population i know right yeah here was kind of a nerdy thing that i found out in the early 1900s they tried um uh raising them just like they do for foxes mm -hmm. with foxes for pelts mm -hmm. so they started breeding they wanted to try to breed them 
Well, fishers have a um, 10-month gestation. Mm. So basically, they mate and they don't have babies for 10 to 11 months. And so these people that are raising them for fur, they're like, what gives? But um, that kind of died out. Yeah. They're just kind of a cool animal. Oh, they have a crazy, crazy, like how, like crazy sound that they make that's really scary in the middle of the night. We're going to drop that in right here. <laughs> or we're just going to leave you making that sound. <laughs> no, it's a okay. crazy sound. No, for real. Now here's the sound. <laughs> So you can still find them in places um, in the Northeast. And of course, as I said, back out West, but climate change is a threat to them. Um, and they need a, a pretty dense forest canopy in order to survive. They also are really smelly. Oh. So yeah, they have these scent glands on their back paws, pads that um, make them smell. So a lot of people smell them sometimes before they see them. I expect that's true of most baseball players would, as well. Yeah, I might maybe they smell like a locker room. I don't know. I've never <laughs> I've been trying to get myself in a locker room, as you know, but it has not worked. <laughs> um, one other oh, one other kind of interesting thing. I mean, talk about how fierce these little guys are. Um, they did a study where they radio colored a bunch of lynxes. You know what a lynx is, right? Sure. Like the bigger cousin to the the bobcat. In this particular study, they found several of their um lynxes were killed by fishers whoa i mean can you imagine like no, something that's crazy. the size of a house cat taking down a lynx have you met my house cat yeah she's yeah. Pr she's pretty formidable i could i can imagine her taking down anything yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah the formidable fisher it's a pretty cool animal well very cool that's uh worthy of a minor league baseball nickname we are gonna go see them in we, september we're gonna go see them over labor day weekend that baseball be... team not the fisher well maybe we'll see the animals i don't know we could try all right we'll and have to go to manchester new hampshire hopefully you won't get caught trying to sneak into the locker room <laughs> i'm just gonna follow my nose <laughs> <laughs> ranger amy burnett so glad to have you back again we will see you in a not too distant future episode all right stay smelly everybody All right, everyone, welcome back. It is time once again for Studio Simon Stumpers. Obviously, you've already heard from Dan on this episode, but now we are here for what is sure to be a very difficult Studio Simon Stumper trivia question based on the wildlife of New Hampshire, based on the U.S. election cycle, based on fishing, based on cats. I don't know. Who knows what it's going to be? Dan, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for Taking time out of what we have already discussed is your very busy schedule to uh, to do a studio Simon Stumper. Well, it's good to be back. I feel like I, it's almost like I, I was never away. Um, for fans of the studio Simon Stumper segment of Baseball by Design, um, this is going to be the first time that the studio Simon Stumper is it's a given for I, I'm to, to borrow from another sport, a, a metaphor from another sport. I'm I'm putting this one right on a tee for you. Um, you're gonna drive it straight down the fairway and right into the hole uh, because. I don't know what that means. <laughs> so um, because I, I normally don't have the benefit of knowing what you have discussed mm. in the episode because I'm not part of. I'm not privy to those interviews that you do, mm. but being that I was interviewed for this, 
you brought up the subject of today's stumper. So, but there's more things to discuss once you get what's going to be, I know you're going to get this one right. So, so the, the good news for you though, Dan, is that I very rarely remember anything more than like 30 seconds to a full minute ago. So uh, that's very possible that whatever I said that makes you think I'm going to get this has gone full out of my head. Well, if you get this one wrong, Paul, you are dumb as a bag of hammer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So here, here we go. As with a stumper from earlier this this year, which asked which that particular stumper I'm referring to asked which team moved to Lakewood, New Jersey and rebranded re as the Blue Claws. Mm. Uh, our studio Simon Stumper today also relates to franchise relocation and asks in what other new locale <laughs> did today's featured team play before mm. moving to New Hampshire? Was it A, New Britain, Connecticut, B, New Haven, Connecticut, or C, Newport, Rhode Island? Mm. So, Dan. Um... <laughs> so, Dan. <laughs> if I had not already mentioned the answer, the New Haven Ravens, I would have eliminated New Britain, Connecticut probably right away because I feel like I have a pretty good handle on the teams that have uh, have played there. So it would have come down to New Haven versus Newport. If I if I didn't actually already know the answer to that question based on, you know, just having done research about the team, I probably would have been a coin flip between New Haven and Newport. So I will I'll take the win. Listen. You know, all you can do is beat the opponent they put in front of you. So I will, I'll take the win and, and um, say New Haven, final answer. Quote Bill Murray from Caddyshack, it's in the hole. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to quote the Raven. You, you, uh, well, never more. <laughs> uh, Nicely done. So, uh, yes, you, you are correct. And as, as I, as, I said you were going to be correct. And if you weren't, I would have been a monkey's <laughs> uncle. Um, so New New Britain was a, does have a team or did have a team, I should say, that relocated. New Britain was home to the Rockcats um, until 2016 when they moved where and became what, Paul? Well, so you say that they moved to a place in 2016, but they actually became the Hartford Yard Goats. But... The award-winning uh, now Duncan Ballpark, Duncan Stadium, whatever, where they play in Hartford, was not ready for them in 2016. So while they technically became the Hartford Yard Goats in 2016, they played an entire season on the road and then finally played their first home game in 2017 in Hartford. So yes, the New Britain Rockcats, with their Guy Kilcrest logo, moved to Hartford, Connecticut to become the Yard Goats. Okay, so that's... So that's not, that was not the correct answer, as we've already established. Mm -hmm. uh, also, Newport was not the correct answer. Newport last had affiliated baseball in the mid-30s and early 40s when there were Cardinals, Tigers, and Dodgers affiliates there. Um, they have not had affiliated baseball since the early 40s. They do have a collegiate summer league team there, the Newport Gulls. Mm. Not a particularly interesting name, but they play in this wonderfully quirky 
uh, ballpark that is on my bucket list of ballparks to to visit. I, you know, the Newport Gulls have a um, a really kitschy logo. You know, it might not be the most exciting nickname, but their uh, I I think their logo is kind of fun and kitschy. And a childhood friend, a neighborhood friend of my younger son Casey, played, I think, this past season with the Newport Gulls, and should have gone. I wanted to see a game at that stadium. I should have gone to see him pitch there. But anyway, so um, the correct answer is, of course, New Haven. And the team that moved to New Hampshire was the New Haven Ravens, as mentioned. Um, and New New Havenites apparently had a propensity for, for giving their ball clubs avian-themed monikers. Um, as the Ravens were preceded by the New Haven Bluebirds in 1898. Later, there was the New Haven Black Crows in 1909 and the New Haven Prairie Hens, which was what the Black Crows were renamed the very next season in 1910. So you had those avian-themed names. Um, other notable New Haven professional baseball team names include the New Haven Nutmegs. Do you know why they would name themselves the Nutmegs? No, I have no idea. I'm excited to hear. Well, in addition to being nicknamed the Granite State, um, another nickname for New Hampshire is the Nutmeg State. And <laughs> so there's the Nutmegs. They were they they were also professional teams there. They're known as both the New Haven Profs, short for professors and the New Haven students. So something was going on there. <laughs> um, I don't know if it was some due to some university that was there or just that they loved education, but those were a couple of names. There was also a team called the New Haven Merlins, but Merlins was spelled with a U. And I looked it up <laughs> to decide, to determine, is that was that some type of an animal? Is that a thing? And I couldn't find anything on it. So maybe it was somebody's name because back then, sometimes teams were named after their manager or owner. Like, for right. instance, Cleveland Indians fans might know that the Indians were once known as the Cleveland Naps. Mm -hmm. And that was for Napoleon Lajoie. Lajoie? Is that how you pronounce well, his name? I would have said either Lajoie or Lajoie. Okay, well, but um, I don't know. I I'm I'm just all I've only ever read that name. I don't know if I've ever I don't recall ever seeing it pronounced. Yeah, it's spelled L A J O I E. Right. Pronounce it how pronounce it at your own risk. So, uh, <laughs> but they were known as the. It, it was mainly the the media. They would just refer to the team as you know basically Napoleon Lajoy Lajoy Lajoy's team, um, the, and refer to it as the Naps. And as a matter of fact, the Brooklyn Dodgers were at one time referred to as the Brooklyn Robins. And that was named, that was because of their manager, Wilbert Robinson. So there might've been some, uh, 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 their, their manager, their owner might've been named Merlin, but that was the name of uh, a New Haven team. And then lastly, there was a team called the New Haven Weissmen. And that was not wise men like from a biblical term, but rather like basically a Jewish last name. Yeah. Weissman. I have I have a client, Skip Weissman. Uh, mm -hmm. And 
that was legitimately a name of a New Haven team. And who Weissman was, my research could not uncover. So um, I'm just putting that out there. Just in, we talk about minor league baseball team names all the time, talking today about Fisher Cats, Ravens, primaries. Uh, we talk about the genesis of these names, yeah. the viability of these names. And I, I just love looking at some of these crazy names that teams were called back in the time, the, the Merlins with a U and the Weissman. I always have to point out when this conversation comes up of the media naming teams for individuals uh, back in the late 1800s, my Richmond Spiders were named for a baseball player who had very long limbs and looked like a spider out on the pitcher's mound. He was a pitcher named Puss Ellison. And I've always said, if your sports team is going to be named for a person named Puss Ellison, that spiders is kind of the best you can hope for. Because the Richmond pussies wouldn't have worked as well. <laughs> there goes our clean rating, Dan. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> I, baby cats. What, what's your problem with, with, with house pets? Dan, what a thrill to get to speak to you every single week, to get to speak to you twice this week. So much fun. Thank you, as I've said, for taking time out of your busy schedule. Thanks for hopping on and bringing me a, a, a softball of a studio Simon Stumper this week. And I will see you next week when we're going to talk about apostrophes. I'm looking forward to that one. I've already got my studio Simon Stumper ready for that. And I'm really, I'm really looking forward to that one. It might be my favorite topic for a studio Simon Stumper ever. So um, I hope you have a great week until then. And looking forward to, to rejoining you and uh, issuing that Stumper. So see ya. See ya, Dan. <laughs>